You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Berto here? And Berto, we're back with another episode and we got a special guest today. Who are we talking to today? Yeah, so uh, definitely a special guest. I think um, I think this is a, a, a milestone moment for the show um, because I, I think it shows probably the most growth. Be, be, aside from what we talk about on the shows about how people grow and how obviously I've changed my life, but you still have to show that. You still have to make those steps. And um, coming from my world, this is a huge step. And I say that because our guest um, is still a friend. He's a friend, but this guest right here, he was he was a rival at one time. Uh, he was a he was a two one, and um, obviously there was a lot of bad blood between Latin Kings and two ones. He's got a really unique story, and uh, he's actually tied into us pretty closely, man. And and. Uh, he was the closest thing to a king while being a rival. It's it's the craziest, craziest concept, but, but we can get into that. Um, he changed his life as well, though, man. He's he's making strides. Um, he's a dog groomer now. He's got his own LLC, Lockjaw Kennels, um, does everything, you know, uh, legitimately now. And and uh, definitely want to give him his props for that. I, I appreciate him coming on the show um, for everybody that knows him and doesn't know him. Chewy, what's going on, bro? How you doing? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm glad to have you on, man. Um, Oscar, I guess, is is also with you know what I'm saying everybody's like, you know, weird about the the, the name intros, but um no nah, man, I'm glad to have you on, man. And and I feel like we got a lot to cover here today, which is which is a good thing because uh like I said, man, it's a milestone moment, man. You got two people who were who were in rival gangs and 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 at one point would have would have probably killed each other. And, um, Definitely. you know, to be able to, to be able to sit down and have a conversation, but not only that, to be able to realize like, man, at, at the end of the day, we're a lot closer than, than a lot closer to friends and family almost than we were to enemies, you know, uh, all the shit we have in common, all the, all the background we have, man, is, is, is crazy. So, um, I think it's just, it, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to have a conversation now and, and, and kind of unfold our lives, um. So with that said, man, let's let me just give you a chance to to kind of introduce yourself, um, you know, give me a little bit of your upbringing and and uh, and just kind of bring everybody up to speed on your story and, and where you began at, if you don't mind. Uh, sounds good, bro. Um, So first of all, like you grew up in Milwaukee, Southside, I uh, literally from when I could say when I was born to about nine years old, when my father was killed, we lived on seventh between Arthur and Hayes. So there's that dynamic as well. Like my older brother was best friends with Joey, Joel two, three and a uh, fat boy. So like, I go back, back, like they knew my dad, like my dad was one of the biggest drug dealers in Milwaukee at the time. So he was a little intertwined with all the gangs around the South side. He wasn't one that just go, went to the Kings. He went, he knew everybody. And through that, that's how, as I got older and matured, after he passed, I actually more or less got plugged up with a lot of these guys. Right. Whether right. it be so, the older, so, you know. So, so, so um, I think it's a, 
you know, right out the gate, man, like, uh, <laughs> you know, we shoot into, we shoot into our, our foundation, right? What made us. And, uh, I think it's, it, it's, it's really important for people to see like, man, look at that. Like you, you breeze past it. Like it was really nothing, but just think about the dynamic you just explained. You grew up, your dad was killed. Your dad was a drug dealer. Like these aren't normal things, right? Like these no, aren't, exactly. these aren't everyday lifestyles. This isn't something that people just wake up to, you know? And, um, I think it's important, man. Like these are, these are the most important subjects that we have to put in the public eye because they need to see like, listen, man, we're normal people at the end of the day, but the things we go through, you know, they weren't normal. No. And, and so they make you who so, you are in a sense. Yeah, they do, man. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, if you know the South side, if anybody knows the South side, right. Um, Lopez family was a huge, huge, huge thing. Right. So, yes, sir. Um, I think it's I think it's self-explanatory when you say, you know, what your father was involved in. Um, is it fair to say, man, like growing up, you know, you've seen the lifestyle. Did you want to emulate that because of your father or was or was there a little bit of a fear factor there as far as not wanting to go that route? How, what was that dynamic like when you were young? Honestly, 100 percent, bro. I was so enamored by it. Like I looked at it. And I saw the money. He would literally have me and my older brother counting out $50,000 to put it away for a rainy day in case something never happened. So that was always in the back of our heads, knowing that this is a real possibility. There's an end game to this, you know. And it's not like it, a lot of more times than not, it's like Scarface. You know, there are no happy endings in this thing. And right, yeah, right. I saw it. It just it was one of those things like you would smell the weed underneath your door while you're playing video games and your dad and all his friends are having a party out there, you know? So yeah. like, I just, I grew into that being around it so much that like it, it was second nature to me as young as I was, I was very smart and I realized what was going on, not to the extent, but as a right. whole, I understood what it was. Yeah. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, like, like I'm sure Eric's listening like Eric, you know, it's crazy when, when you have somebody, uh, you have somebody like, like Oscar explaining the situation, right? Like there's no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, what do you call it? Like a crossroads. There's no time where you have, okay, let me make this decision. He was just born in it and just in it. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just, it just started. It, there was never, there was never a beginning or an end. It was just, that's what it was. And, and then I think that's, that's safe to say for a lot of people, you know, like me, like, you know, my older brother was a king. My older cousin was a king. Like I grew up in, you know, like that's the kind of, you know, like your influences, your everything that that you see is what ultimately is is what you're trying to become, you know. And, and um, yeah, I think it's crazy because a lot of people think there's there's a time where, where kids make a decision. I either go bad or I go good. Like, no, nah, it's not like that. You know, what I mean? like you, you just you just live it you know, and, and you grow up in it. And so, yeah, no, that's crazy, man. Um, so, so you obviously the street life, you were exposed to it immediately. And, um, and, and as you grew, obviously, um, the passing of your father, you know, I, I know you said you were nine when that yeah. happened. Um, do you remember it really vividly? Was it, was it I, something so that... vividly, bro? Like I remember the day it happened, um, him and my mother divorced when and I was about six or seven. So they only lived two blocks away. So one week me and my sister would be by my mother's and my two brothers would stay by my dad's. So like we would alternate every week. And for some reason, the day he passed, I went to his house and I knew we had to go by my mother's. 
So for some reason, I went to Riley. So it was right on 5th and he lived on 7th. So it was just a hop, skip and a jump away. So I go there and as I'm walking in the door, he's leaving and he's looked at me like, what are you doing here? I was like, no, I don't know why. I just came to say hi. He's like, well, I got to go take care of some things and I got to go to the hotel, which I already knew what that meant. Like he's going to go handle his business. And he was like, well, uh, he's like, you can't be here because no one's going to be here. He gave me 20 bucks and told me to go next door to my neighbor's house and order some pizza because they were really tight. My next door neighbor and my dad, of course, you know, they had their little goings on. And right, so right. I went there and a 5 a.m. the next morning. There you go. I get the he gets the call and I see him crying. The, the, my friend's stepdad and he just said someone's going to come pick you up and you need to go with them. And I didn't know what was going on. And all these people are crying now and like, I'm getting confused. I know something's up, but I don't know what. Right. right. So then at that point, my, this guy named Ramon, he um, was renting a room upstairs from my dad's house and he came and picked me up and he drove me to my mother's house and he's crying the whole time. And I'm trying to get out of him. Like, what's wrong? He's a bodybuilder, man. Huge guy. And he's crying like a little girl. And I'm like, I'm, now I'm getting scared. I was like, what's going on? He's like, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. So I get out the car when he pulls up, I go up and my whole family is like just distraught everybody with their head down. And I'm like, what's going on? And nobody can really even talk. And so my aunt happens to be there and she grabs me and she's like, your dad's dead. And I just looked at her. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I just like trying to talk to my mom. I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, no, your dad's dead. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I was the last one to see him. I was the last one to talk to him. So all this is rushing through my head now. And I'm Damn. like, well, now what? You know? Man, that's that's uh, that's powerful, bro. That's uh, you know that you know those those uh those events, bro. You know those can't be overlooked. You know, like like being traumatized as a child is different, bro. You know, be having like having like you know traumatic traumatic incidents happen as a child is different because it, it just it stays with you. You know, and um it stays with you longer, bro. And it hurts longer. I feel like, you know, like shit like that is, it's weird. Um, and it, and it shapes you, you know, sometimes that shit makes you, it makes you a cold person and it, and it makes you want to, uh, somehow get vindication in the situation, you know? Exactly. And it kind uh, of like from that moment, it kind of destroyed my family structure. Like my brothers and my sister as well. Like it, it almost like we grew hatred for the world. Like we, none of us wanted to hang out with each other anymore. We didn't want to do family things. It was almost like right. the best way I could put it is like, say you're a superhero comic fan and all of a sudden Superman's dead now. Like I thought Superman's right. not going to, can never die. I thought he's bulletproof. Right. And all of a sudden your hero <laughs> yeah. now is gone like that. That one person that, right. oh, I'm somebody messes with you, I'm going to go get my dad. You know, things like right. that, bro. And right. when you realize right. that, no, it's end of the game for him. It right. kind of puts you in a different perspective. Yeah. That's, that structure's gone, bro. And, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the glue that held everything together is is gone. And so, you know, those those things, bro, they, they push you. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, just like me, you know, you got into a situation, too, where you were pushed towards the street in a different way. And, uh, you know, we got, obviously we got history in, in, uh, in a unique way. We got so much history I and mean, we, we oh, go, for sure, we, bro. we go way back, bro, you know, to, to baseball days and shit. But, but, um, but the history I'm talking about here is, is we both, <laughs> the funny part is we both ended up on Walker and then we both walked away from Walker, right? Yeah. Wild Walker. And, and, uh, I don't know, maybe our, our reasons are a little bit different, but, uh, 
I want to know your journey as far as, okay, when you started, how you kind of got introduced to him and then, and then ultimately um, what happened over there? Yeah. I actually wanted to clear that up a little bit. It's not so much that I was wanted to be a Walker. It was actually all because of Chano 38, Juanito's older brother and Juanito. Right. I known them and their um, godfather's name is Abe, Abraham. Yeah, and he was the yeah, yeah. sweetest guy in the world, but he lived right in the heart of Wild Walker, the big yeah, white right house. Yeah, exactly. Right like dead right center corner. of their smack dab in the middle of their hood, completely there surrounded by these guys. Yeah, been there and many so times. <laughs> we would always go over there, and he was a good guy. Like he was one after 38 died, he basically took Juanito under his arm, like, come on, you're basically you're not going anywhere. You're not gonna go out like your brother did. So right. we would always be over there. We go to baseball games. We he'll take us to the movies, to the Twins drive-in, and like okay. he was really like a father figure mentor. Like he always telling right. us, "Stay off the streets, guys. You don't want to do this." He's like, "Look at this. You know what? You know how this ends." And all of us, you know, we're kids. We think we're invincible, so we're like, "Yeah, okay, Abe, whatever, whatever." And so we're all hanging out, and it got to a point like we would be there on the weekends, and like we would hang out. But as we started going, getting older. Like Gordy, he was really into sports, into the baseball. I believe that's like where he would meet you guys, you Chico, yeah. Tim. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was in it, but not so much as like it wasn't my passion. Sports weren't my passion. I, from a very young age, was about money. Right. I seen like my mother with four kids, single. Uh, I hated asking her for anything. And so I tried to figure out who and what I could talk to, how I could basically finesse my way into a situation where I could be self-sufficient and take care of myself. Right. Right. So, so when it so, got, so you're, so your your um, I guess your introduction to being around Walker was never like a, a push to try to be there. It was just kind of convenience. It was just there. And, and, and you ended up being around it kind of. Yeah. Is basically I like I fell into it because of, like I said, with Juanito, like I said, he was my boy, and I had love for him. We went to the same school. Like, I got really, really cool with his brother. And then as I was over there, I met uh, Meadow. And, like, oh, okay. yeah. something about him, like, I really liked. I Like, he was cool. He was real. He was always say like, he's a righteous brother. You know, like, he's one of the few over there that I really respected. And then I met his younger brother, Kiki, which I wasn't too fond of him. I don't know. For my own reasons, I just didn't like what he was about. And it's just something about him, like, that was like the main reason. Like I was like, nah, some something's up with these guys. Like it's a little bit more than that. Okay. Okay. So you were never like actually, yeah, yeah. So you were never like intertwined. It was just more of like an introduction. And, exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Then then that's a good clear up because I, I never really knew the whole, you know, the whole get down, bro. It yeah, was only yeah. what you you only get pieces of stories. You know what I'm saying? And and then they're kind of they're pieced together by everybody else by the time it gets to you. You know exactly, what I'm exactly. And so yeah, that's that was that my, my understanding of it was different, which is it's good to clear up. Um, and and it's even better to know. Okay, so you never even you never even had to make a decision of whether you wanted to walk away from being Walker because no, you were see, you never so had what, you never had allegiance to him. Exactly. So what happened was like I say around the time I was like. 13 or 14 I got in a real big fight I was drinking partying you know and I would come home and my mom was like look at you you're hammered what is wrong with you and one night I uh I went upstairs in my room and I passed out well both my brothers thought it'd be funny to like take a sharpie and draw all over my face bro all kinds of craziness 
because I was like halfway outside of my window thinking I'm going to throw up. And right. this was like at midnight, one in the morning. And so I had to go to work at 3.30 or I had to get up for work at 3.30. So I'm, I'm waking up, going to wash my face. And I see all this stuff all over me. I'm like, man, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so from there, uh. I started fist fighting with my brothers. And then my sister jumps in and I'm fighting three. It's three on one. And we, somehow we make it to the floor. We're on top of each other. And my mom walks in and she's like, what's going on? And I'm kicking, punching. And I remember she grabbed my leg and she kicked me in the nuts, basically just to stop Ooh. everything. And from there, oh, that shit hurt so bad. And I remember like, all right, motherfuckers. I grabbed my bag. I had some money from, you know, from hustling. I grabbed my backpack and I just started walking from 27th and Burnham all the way to 15th and Walker, man, at two, three in the morning. And I knocked on the door. Luckily, Abe answered. And from there, for about a month or two, I was there. So, like, he opened his door for me. And that was, like, the introduction into, I would say, the gangbanging side, you know, noticing everything and seeing everything. Because me and Juanita, right. we would talk. But you know how with, with the Kings, especially, they're real, real hush-hush. Like, right, they would right. walk in at night and right. I'm like, oh, what's going on, guys? And they'd be like, nothing. Why? Like, just real right, right. about everything. Right. Especially Walker. Walker was like that, like, the most, dog. Like, like, they were, like, super... I ain't gonna lie, though. Sometimes I feel like it was like over the top shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like, nigga, this isn't like we're not in some, you know, syndicate here, bro. Yeah. Like, this isn't a CIA. I remember though. seeing like, them, bro. They would have like barbecues, and they would have all these little shorties posted up on every single corner with walkie talkies. And I get yeah. it, you know, it's summertime. It's it's real in the battlefield, but at the same yeah. time, I'm like, bro, this is a little overdoing it. Like, they're dead <laughs> serious on maintaining this look about them you know what i mean yeah, almost yeah, like mafia-esque like everybody yeah, like i remember had the, yeah the walkers were like that bro the walkers were definitely like that um it's funny you mentioned that because i remember that dynamic though and then and then when i got to 19th street it was like completely different like the atmosphere was different i felt like the walkers were more like um older school mentality type exactly thing. you know exactly. what i'm saying like like they were more like um chicago style kings if i were to if i were to because you know, and this isn't, this isn't, I don't think it was intentional, but like there wasn't much um, diversity there, you, you know, and Walker, like you knew yeah. what it was. Like it was like all Mexican brothers. Like it was all like a certain kind of personality. Like, yeah. and they all grew could, up on top of each other, literally yeah. from the same yeah. neighborhood. So right. exactly. the few guys so, they did have, they was e really easy to like get rid of the ones that weren't showing what they're about because they put yeah. so much pressure on the youngsters. A lot of them would break. And yeah. I would see him like get sent home crying and shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. But yeah, but it's funny though how the dynamic is is so different. Like if you look at 19th Street, like 19th Street, we had black brothers, we had white brothers, like we had everything. Like we had yeah, diversity. Same with the two ones. We're, we're a real mixed group. Like right. the best right. way I can say is like, I remember the movie Colors when they're like describing, because they have two ones of 21st Street on there. And it was like, oh, it's a ragtag group of guys. They get their ass kicked going into their hood, leaving out of the hood. They're mixed. There's white, black, Asian, Puerto Rican, right. Mexican. It's a bunch yeah. of fatherless kids, you know, right. looking for a way. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's a great segue too, because I mean, we let's let's uh let's take a trip, right? And uh and and kind of give me some insight as to obviously you're introduced to the gangbanging life now, but what ultimately was like. I guess the, the the first move that put you on the track to becoming a two one now and, okay. and, and getting into that lifestyle. 
So from going from the Walker thing, like after about a few months, I made up with my mom. But during that whole time, I would still go to school to Walker Middle School. So Juanito would give me a ride. And on the way back, I would walk with my friends. And they were all from Scott Street. They were all from, from 22nd to 19th. So I would walk them home. But my cousin actually lived down the alley from Polo and right next door to my friend Kevin, K-Dog and Tim, the two native brothers. They're, they, they're two ones. They're uh, my big homies, basically. And um, so I knew them. I knew of them and everything from them. Like I would always see them hanging out, partying, kicking it, you know, barbecues. And they were always cool. It wasn't like compared to how Walker was, they they had their discipline, but they were more friends, actual friends. Like they weren't like forced together, you know. So I would see that. And I actually liked that. And Polo would come over all the time. And um Little did I know when I first met him, him and my mom had just started talking. And my father, my my father who passed, would actually sell polo pounds of weed. So they we all like it was a weird circle. Everybody knew each other, but not through each other. Right. If that makes sense. So then Polo would always like see me and take like a little extra interest. He's like, Hey, what's up, man? He's like, You're Julio's son. I was like, Yeah. He's like, Okay. He's like, No, no, he's He's a he's the big homie, this, this, this. And every time he would see me, he'd say hi. And then finally, him and my mother started dating right around the time my father passed away. So from there, he was... See, the thing about Polo, he was the only boy in a family full of girls. And he was the youngest. So he was chubby when he was younger, and his family used to fuck with him. And me, I was a little chubby dude, too. So he saw a lot of him in me. So right, he scooped right. me right under his wing and... He seen like how my brothers and my sister would sit there and make fun of me. And he's like, no, nah, y'all ain't going to do him like that. And from there, it's, it's as weird as it sounds, it was almost like a grooming process. Like he saw something in me because he never had a son. And from there, right. he's like, I'm going to take this kid and I'm going to make him the future leader, basically. Right. Okay. Okay. Hold on real quick. Um. So, so Eric, just to catch you up real quick. So Polo is the, I mean, the leader of 21st Street. Mm-hmm. The leader of two ones, like he's recognized as a leader. He's, I mean, he gets that respect. He, he's, he basically founded that chapter. Um, I mean, on a side note, do you have a, do you have a, um, a story about how two one was founded? Because I can't, I don't know that story really. I just know that, um, I know, I believe it was like Polo and 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 um, po- it was Polo, Pancho, Pancho, Bronx, yeah, Bronco, Bronx, yeah, um, and um, a couple of the other guys, but. Basically, this is from what I was told from Polo and little tidbits here and there from Pancho. Basically, like you said, they were all in and groomed to be Latin kings when when they were teenagers. And for some reason or another, along them doing that, they sort of became like a hit squad for them. And from what I was told, they would like the kings would go up to them be like, hey, man, here's like a half a brick and here's some pistols. We need you to go handle these dudes. And they were like, okay, well, you know, take care of business. So they would do that. But when they would go to the parties, they wouldn't get recognized as that. They would like some of the older guys would be like, oh, y'all are just our send offs. Y'all ain't shit. So they wouldn't get the respect. And I remember Mm -hmm. Paul telling me, he was like, yeah, he's like, the motherfuckers thought we weren't anything. He's like, but little did they know all them guns they gave us, we kept. He's like, so when it got to the point of them, like going back and forth at parties and not feeling like they were getting the respect they deserved. He was like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll be back. And 
I think one night I was at, it was a party and they shot it up. They got tired of it. They were arguing all night, you know, people get drunk. And so they shot the right. party up. And from there it was literally war. Wow. And that's 21st street. So, so, so damn, yeah, this is, see, this is okay, Eric, this is my ballpark right here. So this is, I'm, I'm intrigued right here. So my, my idea of it was, um, was basically that 21st street, polo had right and 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 he was a king or he was this this is my this is what my version my heard of it right yeah that he was a king they were all kings on 21st street and that the nation decided to become one chapter that's when kago was established they made all the brothers from different chapters basically leave their chapter there was no choice right so yeah like they had like seventh and arthur i want to say 15th and mineral there was a bunch of chapters that they basically told them we got to become kago and if you ain't down with that we're gonna smash you and at 21st, that Polo basically bucked on him and was like, nah, we're not giving up our chapter. This is it. Like, if y'all, y'all don't want us to, then we're gonna be, we're gonna be this. And then that's that's where 2-1 became 2-1 gangsters. That was the story I was told. I don't know. I I don't know how much different it is because I, I understand what like you're saying it it, it be, basically became a beef after one shootout, right? Yeah, it was like it, they were pushing it, they were you know, because they were putting in the work and, you know, like my older guys, you know, to give them credit, they they were about that. And, you know, they were they're getting it in. And so from what I was told, like bipolar was that he's like, yeah, these, these like these motherfuckers want to sit there and act like we're just their bitches and they could do this. But a lot of that, I'm sure you're right as far as the whole 21st Street, because what people don't understand about our neighborhood, we've had that since the 80s. And it hasn't went anywhere. Even to this day, there's still two ones over there. And it's a big, like, geographically, it's a huge neighborhood. So from 27th Street and from 27th to 16th, from Greenfield to National, you know, that's a big area. And that was a big drug area in the 90s to this day. There's prostitution. There's drug any drug you can think of. There's probably 10 drug dealers on every block there. So that became the main motivation now. Yeah, there's the brotherhood. There's... You know the camaraderie. There's we're soldiers basically out here, but it's the money, right? So at what at what age was was the was the the first introduction where where he said, "All right, are you ready to become a two one?" Well, I was about ten going on eleven, and he I didn't even have option. He told me he's like, "You're gonna be a two one," <laughs> and then. I think he started having, like, my mom would see me, like, always be with him. And she's like, you better not tell that boy, let that boy become a gang member. And he'd always be like, no, mom, I already told him. I told anybody that tries to V him in, I'm going to smash him, and then I'm going to smash them, too. And I remember my friend Tone, Cutthroat, he came up to me. He was standing next to me because it was literally between 21st and 20th and Scott. We are all in the alley, and he's having this little quick improvised meeting anybody that v's chewy in and makes him a two one they're gonna get it and so my friend tone he bumped me he's like hey you think i'm fucking scared of him he's like man you come tomorrow you'll get your v's you'll be a two one he's like i'm not gonna let nobody put their hands on me i don't care if it's polo i don't care if it's anybody so i come the next day ready to go i'm off of school and little did i know that whole shit was a setup Polo was there waiting, the first one to go. He's like, oh, so this is what you want, huh? I was like, yep. <laughs> he looked at his guy. He's like, you see this kid? And he punched me immediately, dead in my face. Oh, and then he sent the shorties. The first three came. I dealt with them pretty pretty fairly. They, we got their licks in. I got mine in. And then he sent another wave, the older guys. So then there was three more. Mine was unlike anybody else. I guess because I was the kid, like his son, I had something to prove in a sense, like, 
come on, motherfucker, you're going to get it worse than anybody. So right. all that 21-second Vs or two-minute Vs, nah, that was mine was about a good eight, nine minutes of fighting back to back to back. And from there, yeah, how, how old were you? I was between 11 and 12. Damn. Yeah. So that's, a fuck, that's young. So how old are they? Because you said that the second wave was older. They were between older 21. 14 and 17. Wow. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah. a couple of the older guys too, which were like anywhere from 22 to 30, you know? So I, like, I remember it was like nine guys at least. It was like three oh, okay. sets of three. Boom, 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 back to back. I remember having a boot print on my face the next day at school. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, structure wise, it was, it was more of just, uh, it wasn't like a, was it like a structured meeting or was it just basically when you showed up, it was, it was over with for you? Well, see, so the way we did it, and this was intentional, we didn't want to have like these weekly, monthly meetings because that's how Rico gets started. You know, you have this much structure, then you can come and bring the indictments, you know? So we didn't do it like how, oh, we have a weekly meeting, you got weekly dues. We would just all be out there for one reason or another, and then someone would, Polo or Poncho would come and be like, hey, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow at, let's say, Mitchell Park or at one of the guys' houses. And we're going to shoot the shit. If you don't come, you're going to get a V. So we would do that. Just, it, it was, it was a little bit more sporadic, but it was still, it was still structured. Okay. So yeah. yeah I mean, you know, you, that's, that's, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point to bring up. I think uh, people learn from each other. People learn from each other and they also, they always mimic each other, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a copycat game. That's the way it goes. Um, and like that's a that's a good learning a good learning point like talking about how not to have meetings or you know to to try to avoid the structure you know as far as bringing the attention towards the the organization but to be fair i will say that that element of it is is what is what elevates it you know that element of structure that guys have where they have to be there and they have to do this and they have to respond to somebody else. Right. Cause obviously we had our connections to Chicago, so we'd have to respond to them. Like that yeah, element yeah. of it is, 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 um, is, cra but I mean, that it's all, that's why I said it works hand in hand. Like for you guys to be able to learn from that, you know, and be like, yo, that that's probably not the best way to go. That, that kind of shows the evolution of gang life in general. So, I mean, this is what, this is how many years ago we're talking about. So imagine what it is now, you know, even though yeah. you got a bunch of, even though you got a bunch of dummies running around, right. That's the way of the world. You also got a lot of guys that have learned from mistakes, past mistakes and, and they're continuing to evolve. Yeah. You know? and, and, and to your guys's credit, like we would, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but we would see where you guys would mess up. Like I remember like the 98 indictments, that was mostly like the drug thing, you know, a couple of shootings, but when it came to your generation, you boys weren't playing, man. These kids were shooters, killers, stone cold killers at 14, at 13, at 15. And we had our own, you know. So at the same time, like, I remember seeing it and, like, you know, I would know firsthand because I would see my little brother running home, having to change his clothes, peeing on his hands to get the gunpowder off of it, you know. And I'm like, boy, you need to chill. And I really was in no position to tell him anything because I was doing the same thing. But – it yeah. got to a point, like, where I remember Polo telling me, like, he's like, just so you know, these are my folks. They're not my friends. 
by any stretch. Like him, Poncho, a couple of older ones, those are, yeah. But all the other ones, he used a lot of them as pawns. And so, 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 that, so right away, does that give you a different impression about how to look at the gang in its entirety? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Okay. And so I knew right away, like, you, you know, the saying, like, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Well, a lot of the times what people don't understand is the ones that could do the most damage to you are right next to you, dealing with you every day, telling you they love you, shaking up with you, throwing the racks up, you know, and. It's been a lot of that, you know, even through my life from a teenager to like a few years ago, I was, I would literally in my career as a two one, I probably got into it more with my own guys than I did with other rivals because a lot of the time they knew me. My name was, would ring bells in the street, not to say I was, you know, top gun, but I, I, w- I was a hustler. So my name was out through there and then they right. knew my brother. And they knew what he was capable of. So they're like, if he's the little brother, what do you think the big brother is going to do? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's crazy, bro. Um, I, I, that's a dynamic that's, that a lot of people was overlooked. I, I actually just, uh, I think I just recorded an episode about that. Didn't I, Eric, about like the dirty shit that brothers do to each other? And, yeah. And, uh, yep. That, oh, that kind of falls. Yeah. It falls right in line with what you're talking about, bro. I actually talked about how two kings robbed two other kings in yeah. those episodes. But no, it's funny that, that, you know, that dynamic is everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, let me, uh, let, let me, let's swing this over here because this is going to be a this is going to be a deep subject that I know you're probably going to want to be you know a little more thorough on, and okay. that's the uh, the way you were affected with the fact that you were a two one and your brother and your brother was was a king and uh, you know just so everybody knows like your brother obviously Gordy he was the king he was you know he was my boy I knew Gordy since we played baseball at at Barron Park you know we were little kids so. Um, you know, just for anybody that wants to know the background, but yeah, kind of explain that, man, because I know you and Gordy are similar to me and my brother, you know, as far as how, I, yeah, as far as how, how you guys grew up and, and how close you were. So I, I'm really, really interested in hearing that. So if you want to kind of break that down, how that originally turned into, it was good blood, turned into bad blood, and then just kind of give us, give us what you want. man. Okay. So like throughout, throughout my life, my little brother's been my right hand, man. We're literally like, a year, a little less than a year and a half apart. So we're like Mexican twins, basically. And this kid has my face. We look almost damn near identical, except for when we were kids, he was about a foot shorter than me. So my whole life, I was his big brother, his bodyguard, you know, my brother's keeper. And I always protected this kid. Anytime he had an issue, he didn't even have to ask me. I'd be there anyway. So I'm holding it down for my little brother. And so we always went to the same elementary school, same middle school, and that was intentional. You know, my mom always yeah. made sure I he had somebody to look over him because Gordy was a little devil at times. You know, that little boy would get into some shit and he always had Big Brother to help him out of it one way or another. But after my dad passed away, it did something to him. Like deep in his heart, he grew some type of hatred for life. And at the same time, like I said, when my father passed away was when my mother started seeing Polo. So... When we had all came back, because my father, he was he had a wake here in Milwaukee, and then they flew his body to Las Cruces, New Mexico, and they had another wake, and that's where he's buried right now to this day. And um, from that, like just that him, like like I said, our superhero dying, 
it like it fucked him up because I don't think he processed it. He would he would still say like, "Man, when's dad coming back? When's dad?" You know, he would he was still he was I was nine, so he was seven. And from there, like he just had so much animosity towards Polo. I remember when we got a little older, he told me straight out, he's like, "I'll never be a two one." He's like, I asked him, I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause I'm against anything that motherfucker stands for." He's like, "You try to take the place of our dad," and he never did. He just he was. He was a disciplinarian. Polo was a bully in a lot of ways. But for me, not many people saw the father figure, the, the good side of him. So everybody always seen like, you know, here comes Debo coming through the neighborhood. I seen that in a different way. I seen it like, okay, here comes the OG. Let me go say hi. And while everybody's tucking in their chains, I'm giving him a hug. Right. So it's different. Right. It's, it's, well, yeah. And, and you know why? It's because you can see that once you get past the armor of somebody, there's a good person in there. Exactly. So you got, you, you got, you got through, you got to go through the bullshit, you know, that, that, that he's going to put out, you know? And then once you get past that, you see the real gentleman. Right? Exactly. Like, and at the same time, uh, he's throwing yeah. that armor he's letting down. He's giving it to me to put on. Like he's showing me what to do. He's like, no, don't give these women your heart, put your money away. He's giving me all these little tips of advice that I still use to this day, you know? And so he was like basically letting me like you're the only one I let in, you know, everybody else can go fuck themselves because he had to rule with the iron fist, you know, in these gangs and this culture that we have. It's yeah, loyalty is important, but fear is a much better motivator. Fear is definitely a, uh, it'll definitely put you in some some uh, situations. Fear uh, gets shit done, basically. <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely, but it'll put you in some situations that oh, you, definitely, you probably bro. don't want to be in. Um, mm-hmm. And that's yeah, what so, like separates the strong from the weak in the gang life, I suppose. Yeah, well, it, def- it definitely it etches that character in you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's that all those everything everything you're talking about, all those events they they uh, they shape you, they mold yeah. you. Um, yeah, so so. Let me ask you this, bro. So, okay, so obviously you became a two-one before Gordy became a king. Yeah. And now, now your big brother, you know, what's it like? What's the process like? Are you trying to stop him from becoming a king? Are you? Are you saying basically? I mean, how does that? What's that process look he like? He used to always ask me because I'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna go to the hood," and he's like, "Him and Shane, Shane, you know, Shane was like his yeah. best friend, his right hand man." They would always right. be like, oh, can we go? And I was like, no. I'd always tell them no, but that was because I was scared because bullets were flying in that neighborhood every day, whether it be from the Cobras, from you guys, from us. You know, there's a lot of bullets don't have a name on it, and I was always scared right. that he would just be that one straight bullet that caught him, you know, and I, I was like, no, no, no. So he was like, oh, okay, you know, fuck you, basically. And then he would, through baseball, like I said, he started meeting Tim. He knew Chico, Pallone, like I knew all these yeah. guys too. And so I remember that one time my mom was there and I'll never forget this. They were got into it with some of those two GD brothers. I forget their name, but um, it was all you guys were Yankees and I don't know what team they were. And they were about, you guys were all about to fight with baseball bats in the middle of the parking lot. And I remember my mom jumping out in the middle saying, they're not Latin Kings, they're Yankees. And I was like, oh my God, it's so fucking embarrassing. You know what's funny, dog, is that that was me. That was yeah. that was me. It there was me. It was that these uh so so damn, that's a crazy story. So 
Eric, listen to this. Check this out. So I used to still play baseball when I was gangbanging, right? Like, because I was a sports kid. Like, I love sports and shit. And so was Chico. And Chico was like my boy, dog. Like, we were, I lived with him, you know, that was my homie. And so, bro, we were playing, we were playing, uh, we were playing that, that, uh, I forgot what team, but the brothers you're talking about, it was like Tommy and Tony. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly who it was, right? And uh, we had, bro, but we had like little kid beef with them, dog. Yeah, yeah. Because one time, yeah, yeah, because one time when we were like eight or nine, bro, um, me, my cousin, my brother, we're playing football with these dudes like normal at Kosciuszko and we and we get into it with them. And, and bro, my cousin like pounded these dudes out, dog. I'm talking about pounded both of them two on one, dog, Tommy and Tony, and pounded these dudes out. And because uh, my, my cousin was the mauler. But anyways, so so we were playing, dog, and these dudes, they were in the stands. They seen us playing and they went and got a bunch of guys, bro. Like, yeah. they, cause their hood, cause their hood was right there. Like they used to be like hooded up right there on like eighth and Beecher type shit. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and they were like, they were like GDs and shit. I, yeah, I remember yeah. cause, uh, I forgot what the, the one dude's name, he was like the main guy, Moses or something like that. He was like the main dude for them. And, um, and they came bro deep dog and we're all in uniform still, you know, it's just yeah, like, yeah, for Chico. Sure. um, I think it's me Chico. I think Gordy was with us too. Yeah, Gordy was with us because your mom was there. Your mom yeah, did exactly. say that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, dog, and they tried to ride on us, dog. We had bad. And even Nancy was like, you guys ain't going to do shit. Yo, that shit was so funny. Yo. Yeah. But we're right there with base because they were deep. They outnumbered us, though. Oh, but for it's sure. Crazy. It's crazy that you remember that, though. But go yeah, ahead. And man. I remember, like, after that, when all that happened, my mom telling Polo, and he's like, well, fuck that. I'm going to go to every game. And my mom was like, no, don't do that because then you're going to bring your guys and it's going to be a whole thing. But Polo would do little pop-ups every once in a while just to make sure. And I remember, like, the older guys, like, in the um, the teenage field to the left of Felix Mantia, they would see him and they'd all be, like, you know, getting on. I don't – their cell phones weren't really a thing back then, but you would see somebody run away and then go, like, get on a pay phone. And I'm like, oh, shit, here it goes. <laughs> but, right. like, we would always – we're always very aware of that, man. Like that this this gang shit doesn't mean anything. You could be at Chuck E. Cheese, you could be at your kid's baseball game. If it's gonna pop off, it's gonna pop off. There's no days off, man. Nope, There's never. No I'm curious, Oscar. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever talked to Gordy about when you were so you were not bringing him into the, the ghetto as you call it because it, because you were trying to protect him. Yeah. But did he? Has he ever told you that maybe the uh, driving force of why he went to the Latin Kings was because he kind of felt like you were trying to push him out of that life? Yeah, he, he wanted actually, that. He told me he resented me for that. Like he's like, all I wanted to do was just see how it was. He's like, I wasn't trying to be a two-one. I wasn't trying. He's like, I just wanted to hang out. But what he didn't know, because he's the baby of my family, he doesn't. He's not a big brother. He doesn't have that mentality. I mean, eventually, like. With the, with the brothers, with the one nines, he was like Gordy would always take Benny under his wing and to he'd give them literally give them clothes off of, off of his back. Like here, guys, I know they don't because the one thing about my mom, she always worked a job. She had, when my dad got killed, it was a mother with four kids, three boys and a girl, and we're like within five years of each other, all of us. Wow. So that was a really big thing, you know, like a single mother still going to night school working at a law firm, working 12, 14 hours a day, and then going home to four kids. We had a lot of time on our, by ourselves, you know? So like, as we, as we got older, I would try to tell them like, look, bro, I know what you're doing. I like, I have these guys telling me left and right. They seen you with your hat cracked off to the left 
over there on Lincoln and this, this, and this. And the only reason they didn't do anything was because of who I am. And then he'll he'll respond to me like, yeah. He's like, no, you know why they didn't do anything? He'll lift his shirt up and have a big 45 llama on his hip. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> at that so, point, you can't tell him anything. You know, like he his mind was made up at by me not bringing him around. He took it as almost like a slight to him. Like, oh, what? I'm not tough enough. I'm not cool enough. And he almost made it to a point like, I'll show you, motherfucker. And he started going a lot with Chico and like spending nights over there. And I'm sure he got enamored by the Latin Kings. You know, he's seen you guys getting, getting down, people drinking, you know, having this whole inner circle of mobsters, basically, you know, like, yeah, we're not mafia, but this gangbang shit is real. It's, it's, and then, and to be fair, like on our end, right. Um, you got you got like master recruiters. Oh you know, yeah, for you sure. Got, you you know on our end, like you know, people, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna invite you in if we feel like you know, because obviously we felt like Gordy was was capable. You know what I mean? And um, you know that was the that was the generation after me. You know, and so he was bred. You know, and he was already capable. So you know, guys were like basically. Yeah, let's bring him in. Let's 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 try to work him in. So it didn't take long when when he when he strayed over this way. You yeah, know what I mean? And, he fucking and, ran with it too, man. Like that boy was a hundred percent about one one nine to the spine. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, nah, for sure. And 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 I remember Gordy well. You know what I mean? And that's why I say, man, like it, it's crazy how you know we were just playing baseball, man. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like we were just playing baseball, man. And then and then it turns into this, though. Like it turns into to life or death, bro. Mm-hmm. You know? But 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 go ahead. So so what what was the conversation? I mean, I can imagine you probably I don't know how close you guys were once once he um once he actually got his violation. But well, once curious. he got his V's, that was it. Like I told him, I was like, look, bro, you're bringing a bunch of shit to the house. Like you know, like how you said on other podcasts, like you guys didn't have many hangout kicking spots, basically. And so mm-hmm. when you found one, oh, they're basically moving in, you know, <laughs> yeah. like here, here yeah. come the vans, here comes the trucks and the yeah. cars, everybody pulling up and kicking it in the back or sometimes yeah. in the front. A lot of times you guys tried to veer away from being out in the open, but where we lived on 27th and Burnham, you're it fucked. was out in the open. Like yeah, a it's no, there's no way to hide that, you know, yeah, and from true. there. Like it would just little by little, I would see him with two people. Then the next time I'd see him with four people. Then all of a sudden there's seven and I'm getting like, just picture this, me getting dropped off by a carload of two ones pulling up to my house. And there's a carload of Latin Kings right there. Mm. So yeah. it's like, oh shit, what do we do, bro? <laughs> Man, just chill. This yeah. is neutral. You know, this is my mom. They're like, oh, okay. But if we see him down the street, I was like, you know, just don't, don't tell me. Uh, I don't want to know about any of that shit. Because a lot of times that that's what happened. There were several occasions where Gordy was the instigator and drove through my neighborhood throwing up the crown. And one, for example, one one time, middle of the summer, we're we're in what we call the projects. Those are those uh, front and back apartments that have each one has about four apartments and then a little middle yard, and then there's the back apartments. So we mm-hmm. would always be there because it was tucked away, fenced in. And one day we're sitting there. I'm talking to my friend Waco. He's reloading a 380, a little eight-shot 380. And my other friend Gotti's in the back 
loading two clips to a P89 Ruger. And I remember I hear a car beeping and I look to my right and I see somebody jump out the passenger side of a blue Chevy, I don't know, Chevy something. And he's throwing the crown, hat broke, 180 to the left, big ass tail. And all of a sudden, right in front of me, my friend Waco just pulls out and starts dumping at him. And I look and it's my little brother. Damn. Wow. So one of my closest friends is shooting at my little brother right in front of me. And there's absolutely nothing I can do because he came, you know, he came for business. And there was nothing I could do. So talk a little bit about, so what did this do to you and your brother's relationship? Like, cause you said that you were really close, right? So did it, was it just kind of like done after that? It completely destroyed it. Like we went from, being big brother, little brother, going to wrestling events and watching TV to nigga, fuck your guys, nigga, this 21st Street, oh, fuck you, nigga, it's one nine, two one blank, you know, and I'm just like, oh, okay, and I'm hearing things through the streets, they're like, man, bro, you need to get your little brother, bro, he's out here putting in work, dog, and I'm just like, hearing through the grapevine, you know, the streets talk, so by the time he did something at three o'clock, come six o'clock when he's coming home, I already know half the story, and I'm like, bro, what are you doing, like, man, come on. And he's like, nigga, fuck you and your hood. Fuck you and your leader. That's that's what I would get from him. Like, it went for, like, basically, like, how Latin so there kings was, there was so, a point so, were, like, so, bloods and crips. Right. So there was never, um, like, brother conversation after that. You know no. what I'm saying? Like, like it was, it was, it was, it was always cold. It was always estranged. It was yeah. never, it was never that, that family dynamic no more. We would and, walk past each other in our mom's house and me mugging each other. That's you know, crazy, like what the fuck you looking at? Shit like that, man. And it was just like, yeah. I, yeah, I look crazy. at it now and I'm like, this is the most disgusting shit, man. Like some no, people yeah, that were yeah. so it close. Is. No, it is, bro. And and I think that's powerful in itself, bro. Like if people listen to this, like you understand a dynamic between brothers, dog. Like I couldn't imagine, like I got a picture right now of me and my brother, dog. You know, just looking mm-hmm. at it like me and my brother. Like, I don't get me wrong. I got four older brothers, but I'm, you know, they're they weren't in my life every day as much as as my brother Tim. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the way and so you that's and Tim how, were is the way is, me is and Gordy should have been. It, 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 but but what's crazy is that's what you guys were at one time. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that's that's what's mind blowing to me, bro, is because I couldn't imagine being on the other side of Tim. You like know what I'm saying? Like having to turn your back on the motherfucker you look up exact, to, you know? Exactly, Ugh. bro. Exactly, bro. You know, and it's a, very, it, like, it's funny, though. I listen to your guys' dynamic, and it's, very, like, me and Tim, bro, they always, we always looked alike, but Tim was a little bit taller. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, and and same thing, bro. Like, you know, he's he's almost two years older than me. It, it's it's crazy. It's eerily similar. Yeah. And um and uh, so, so I can understand the dynamic, bro. And I think for our audience, the people that listen, they can appreciate that. Like, damn, dog. Like, this is what this gang life does to you, dog. Like, it tears everything that you know apart, whether you're whether you're conscious of it or not. Like, it's not something that that um you have time to address. It just it just it happens organically, bro. And yeah, and before you sure. know it, before you know it, bam, you you got to shoot at your own brother. You're watching your own brother being shot at. That shit is. If that ain't powerful, I don't know what is. Like, if that's not sending a message to people about what these gangs do to you then I don't know what can. Like, this is your blood brother. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. And uh, and that, and that, and that, that went on, right? I mean, yeah, how many times, years. you know? From, I say from when he was about 14. So I was like, I was already at like 12, 13, a 2-1. So for about 
two those, those two years after I was a two one were fine. He would you know like look and not see, but as he got older and he made his own group of friends, and of course they all started going towards Nineteenth Street. Like it started really, really being an issue. Like my friends, they all knew Gordy. They all like Polo used to always call him Shorty G, and he hated that because the G, you know. And it's yeah. just Shorty Gordy, Shorty G, and he hated that shit. And I think that's another thing that drove him more and more to you guys was because he's like, I hate what's going on at home. I hate looking at these motherfuckers. I hate having to see him and all these guys pull up and you know. And so what would he do? He was young. He got himself a car and would be five, six deep in a Chevy Caprice classic driving around the South Side, you know, looking for victims and emulating, but still trying to make his own path too. you know, doing it his way, I would say. Yeah. And you know what's crazy, bro, is um, I mean, this is this is this is kind of a I think around there was a certain time period where. It settled down a little bit, I guess, if it would be a way to say it, right? Yeah. Where the, the 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 it wasn't as hot, the tension wasn't as high, and um, it even got to a point where you could chill and be in the same room with with brothers, and and yeah. there was never an issue, right? Like, yeah, there was that one time I actually was um on Sixth Street at well Shane's mom's house, and um, all the guys were upstairs, and I was selling boy pounds of weed, you know. Mm-hmm. So your leader, he would because I guess they were, it was when it was a drought in Milwaukee. Put it that way, nobody could get weed, and I had a connect from a family member from oh, Texas. And mind you, I'm 15 with a plug, you, you know, with a Mexico plug. Okay, so it got to a point where there was like a drought in Milwaukee, and nobody had weed. But I had a connect, which was a family member of mine from Texas, who was getting me more than I could handle, basically, and. Boy found out because Gordy would always come over with weed, him and Shane, you know, him, Shane, Chico, pothead, pothead. And so he saw what they had and he's like, no, let him come over. And then he even over the phone, I spoke to him. He's like, look, bro, you're good over here. He's like, just don't come banged off. Don't come. You don't got to be strapped. He's like, "Uh, you got safe passage. So I go up there, walk up there and there's about eight or nine of you guys. And I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, I had my pistol in my back pocket still, but I was like, what's going on? And. One of the guys were like, oh, that's they're looking at the weed and they're like, oh, that's not that poison. And then I gave him a, a blunt to hit. He starts choking out and boy just starts laughing. He's like, no, you're good, man. You're good. He's like, anytime you come around here for business, he's like, no worries. He's like, but when you leave, when you leave, you know what it is. I was like, oh, trust me, bro. I know how to handle myself. And from there, it was cool. Like I said, because I knew Shane, I knew Chico, I knew you guys to a sense. I knew Benny. You know, I, Benny was like a little brother to me. I love beans. And I like the more I would see them as we got older, like you said, it did lessen up because I can tolerate you. It ain't it ain't hate. You guys are people just like me. You know, we come from the same environment. We all got the same work, the same book, just different page is how I always looked at it, you know. Right. Yeah. And I I think about that, bro. I was like, man, you know, because wouldn't it be true i was locked up a lot right so yeah, yeah. there were there there was uh there was definitely eras where i wasn't around and i remember one of them was like the era where like you were talking about um when you guys used to be on 27th a lot like i i rarely went over there i think i went over there a few times in 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 my career i went over there more i think as a as a friend of gordy when we played baseball yeah so, yeah i i went over to it but but um no, I say that because I remember them telling me like, yeah, you know, like Chewy be over there and, and they never had an issue with it, bro. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it was never, it was never really a thing. Um, but we all, we know how it is, bro. Like no matter what you, you can be as normal with somebody as you want to, but eventually things happen. Yeah. You know, shit happens. And, um, I, I just kind of, I, it's a good, another, another, another segue, another pivot. And I, I remember, obviously I talked about this time before when, um, when Toot got shot. Yeah. And, and, and so my version what I heard of it was basically it stemmed from I think these dudes I think the brothers jumped one of your guys yeah they jumped one of your guys and and then and then you came back to the house and that's kind of where exactly. it started so it's so exactly if you, what it, happened so, so if what, you so if you want to pick up the, the the Stone Cold you were right there I wasn't there Go yeah ahead. okay so what happened was I was on Twenty Second and Scott at my best friend's house <laughs> and I get a call. And it's my little homie, Jared. And he's like, hey, what's up, G? I was like, what's going on, folks? What's, what's wrong? He's like, man, your brother got me. I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, bro, I was walking down 27th Street, and I thought it was you on the porch. I go walk up to shake his hand and throw throw up the forks with him. And when he seen me, he grabbed my hand and just held it. And he looked at me dead in my eye and said, you know, he fucked up, right? And then a swarm, he's like, a swarm of black and gold came out, bro. He's like, that was, he's like, they beat me to a pulp. They drug him all the way to the the bus shelter. And one of them pulled the revolver out. They're going to blow his brains out right there. And my brother smacked the gun away. Like, no, dude, this is my mom's house. What the fuck are you doing? So they stopped it. And they basically like, nigga, that, this is your one free pass. And they sent him on his way. Well, he calls me and, you know, tells me everything. And I'm like, fuck. And I had been drinking a little bit. I was at my friend's house, you know. So I was like, all right, I'll call you back. I call a cab. I have a little buddy that works for the cab company, and he'll give me a ride anywhere in the city, 20 bucks. No questions asked. Doesn't matter what I have on me. So I call him up. He takes me. I have him parked like four houses away. And I was like, all right, buddy, I'm going to call you back in about 20 minutes. I was like, be ready. He was like, okay. So I walk to the house, and the house is all blacked out. And I'm like, this is weird. So I go through the back. And as I'm walking, we have a real long driveway. I could hear people talking, but all the lights are out. And I was like, something ain't right. So I go in and I go through the kitchen and in our dining room is completely made up of all these mirrors as the wall, like wallpaper, but it's all mirrored. So when I turn it on, it looks like there's 50 of them, but there's really like 10 guys, maybe 10 to 15 guys in a half a circle. And I'm looking, I'm like, what the fuck? And then right away, my little brother runs out like, what? What the fuck are you going to do? He's like, you go get it too. And I was like, yeah. And my brother pulls out a Chrome 357 Smith & Wesson revolver. And I was like, oh, okay, we're playing this game? And I pulled out this gun. It was a 357 Magnum as well, but I called it Tackleberry. It had like a seven-inch barrel monster. And so we're right. facing so let's, stop. let's stop. Hold on, hold on. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's, <laughs> let's stop real quick. Right where you're at, stop right there. Now let's just let's just let's just absorb the gravity of this, right? So people can understand, man. Yeah. Like this is two blood brothers, blood same brothers. mom, mm-hmm. same dad, grew up together, love each other with all their heart, and they're standing in a kitchen with guns drawn to each other, like literally just, let's, two let's inches just, apart just, from each other's face. So let's just understand that gravity, though. Like people, people don't know if people don't know how a gang can destroy a family this is a prime example like just just picture this close your eyes and picture this man like two brothers these, and these and these dudes do look alike like i seen both of them i know both of them they look just alike they're looking at each other basically i don't know man that's just that's just a crazy I, I just keep thinking about me and tim bro and i could never but go ahead finish bro yeah and then so as we're getting into it 
he's telling me, he's like, yeah, he's like, if it wasn't for me, your fucking friends' brains would be blowed up all over, all over 27th Street. And I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I see someone stand up because it was like a half a circle of a huge group of guys. And I see him stand up. I didn't know who it was because, like I said, all the lights were off except for in this one room. And I see a beam. And as soon as I see that flash of red light, I know someone else pulled a gun and they cocked it. So I'm like, oh, shit. As soon, but this is all within like two seconds. As soon as I see that, I just move my gun to the right of my brother's head and fire once. And it goes through a pillar and it hits Tutu like right above his heart and his shoulder area. And I remember that cloud of because it hit. We have these two like pillars. And when the bullet blew through it, it poofed out this big cloud of smoke, basically. And everything went white for a second. And. You know, with the gun being that close, my little brother, like, covered his ear because it was literally right next to his head. And I remember just everybody scattered. I was like, oh, shit. I went upstairs to go get more bullets because I had a revolver. And I was like, this is going to go down. I I thought they're going to shoot up into my walls as I'm running up the stairs. All kinds of shit's going through my head. And I see them as I'm, like, looking back, I see them grabbing Tutu and pulling him out the door to the front and... I guess he collapsed a couple yards away on somebody's porch or their lawn or something. But yeah, it was, it was a fucked up day, man, for sure. So, so yeah, that was, that it's a little, that was a little bit more uh dramatic version of the one I explained, but, <laughs> but uh, obviously uh, firsthand is, is a little bit more intense. So yeah, man, I think the, uh, the overall gravity of it is, is pretty self-explanatory. Thankfully, you know, Toot, he's all right. You know, and shout out to Toot, man. Since then, me and him, we've talked, and I actually ran into him. I was telling you a little bit about it, but uh, we ran into each other in county when you guys were first all getting indicted, and we we talked it out. We squashed everything. So shout out to Toot, free Toot. Yeah, it's cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So that's so. I mean, listen, though, though, but you know, like the story in itself is, is crazy, right? Like this is the other end of it. I mean, I think that's a, that's a unique thing to happen on a, on a podcast or a show, right? Like you talk about something and then you can, you can bring somebody on to bring it full circle. Um, exactly. You know, so no, that's, that's crazy. Um, so I want to, let me, let me get into a little bit more about you and, and your experience, bro, in, in, in your, in your organization gang, sure. whatever, whatever it is that we refer to as, right. Um, I want to I want to get some understanding like, you know, I always talk about when I was a king, I, I never I never got the full truth. Right. I never got the uh, the full truth about what the lifestyle entailed, especially at a young age. And and so I always kind of bring that forward in my own story. So I want to know for you, bro, what was the biggest lie that you faced and, and that you you realized when you became a two one? I guess it wouldn't be when you became, but obviously in your career as a 2-1, what was the biggest lie? The I love you factor, the I'll die for you factor. I think you stopped That them. everybody, we're all your brothers. We <laughs> all want to see you do good. We all, we're all, we're together as one, you know, 2-1. We're, we're all each other. We're all our own leaders, but at the same time, we, we're, nobody's G is as big as the next man's, you know, like that in itself is just the most hypocritical because somebody's always going to want to be, the top dog. Somebody sees somebody doing good, they're either going to want to outdo them or they're going to become jealous. And in that way, that breeds rivalry. It, bring, it breeds tension. It breeds animosity, you know? 
these people see, oh, okay, he's 14 with a car and he's got girls and he's got jewelry. How come I'm not getting it? Well, you could if you just talk to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I happen to be one of the guys that I was making good money in my neighborhood. And through polo, I was able to basically sell and do whatever I wanted. That that side of it, it provided me a lot. Like just being polo's son, you know, quote unquote, was so, a so blessing. Hey, so so real quick, real quick, because uh, I, I think I, I lost a little bit of the beginning of your explanation. Right? Yeah. And um, so so let me let me recap it. So my question was obviously about the biggest lie that the that the organization presented to you. And I kind of got the gist of what you were saying. I just want to be able to reiterate it. Basically, and it's crazy. It's something that I. It's something that I say all the time. It's the fact that there's always jealousy, bro. So the fact that you guys are all the same is a fake concept, is what you're saying. Exactly. You know, the, and 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 that's that's exactly what I always profess though, when I talk about hypocrisy that goes on. You know, because it's it's all relevant. It's all similar, bro. You're 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 nobody is ever treated as equals, you know, even if that's a profession that people put out there. So it's crazy that that's, uh, that's, that's what your biggest lie is, yeah. is uh, this, no matter what you do, you could love your neighborhood. You could love your block. You don't own this block. The block don't love you. Anything that happens, all that blood that got spilled, all those people that did time for this cause, for this group, for this movement, for this nation, whatever you want to call it, is false because the only at the end of the day, the only people that are writing you, visiting, putting money on your books are who? Your family, your girl, mm -hmm. your mother, your brother, whoever that might be. Yeah, once in a while, you you do get real friends out of this. Don't get me wrong, because I have some real good friends, but unfortunately, most of them are dead. So that it goes away, you know, and that's what you gotta understand about this life. It's it's very temporary. You know, like I said, yeah. Scarface doesn't end right. You know, there is no yeah walking away and living yeah, and, on a and, island and right and and you know you're right bro like there's a lot there's there's so much pollution in this shit that you know we can go through it all day you know what i mean mm -hmm. and um but you are right also that you do get real friends from it because at the end of the day right when you separate them from the gang they're, they're real people mm -hmm. right like you're you're a real person like oscar's a real, i'll separate you from a 2-1 separate Berto from being king we're real we're just normal people exactly you know? and, and and so and so that's why you do have real relationships you know but at the same time that same that same cloak that that you can take off for people that you care about those other people it, it turns into a mask you know and and you can't see behind it Exactly. And, and and that's the problem that you run into. Obviously, that brings people down, mm -hmm. you know. And so it, it it that's that's the that's the pollution in the life, you know. Is is you know what it is, but how do you get out of it, right? Exactly. How do you how do you how do you separate yourself from it, and how do you try to get other people to separate from it, you know? So, man, it's 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 <laughs> it's crazy, bro. I think about uh, the parallel lives that we kind of have. And it's like you're running the same race, but you know it's like you have to take out your opponent, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's never, there's never a common ground there. What do you think was the biggest advantage that you had as a two-one? See, for me, like I said, and I give Polo a lot of credit. He showed me the good, the bad, and the ugly of this. Like they, like I said, he always told me, he's like, they're my folks, they're not my friends. But the ones that were his friends 
were actually some real ones. Like I understood why he would only hang out with a few, a chosen few, you know, and those are his originals, the OGs to say. And um, because of that, they came at me more like uncles with open arms. And so that alleviated a lot of the the misgivings that like I would see because it was so much hypocrisy in it. Like, like, oh, well, this guy, he just got caught with two pistols, but got out in a day. Oh, but there, he, he's not a snitch. Or this guy gets caught with a rock and he's in there two weeks, but he, oh, he's a snitch. But there's no paperwork. There's no nothing. So it's almost like they get to pick and choose. And we didn't use that word snitch lightly. Like once you get that in your area, you know, everybody looks at you different. Everybody's going to, you know, take a step back or think twice before they say certain things. So when it comes to that, like he showed me how to maneuver in these streets. And like I said, it gave me this perspective of from the OGs to the younger people, because all the younger dudes would basically you, you basically got the upper hand because you were getting firsthand knowledge from the dude who founded exactly your whole game. Right. I mean, that's, 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 that's the way to sum it up. I mean, and that's, that's, uh, that's definitely powerful. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's definitely a powerful tool. I mean, I can, I guess you would, you would equate it to, to me being brought firsthand, I guess, by champ and boy, right? Exactly. Like say champ and boy would read you the manifesto every night before bed kind of thing, you know, like imagine that. Right. They were grooming me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely can understand. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy, man. Um, at what point, right. In this, this shit storm of a lifestyle we're talking about, at what point did you realize it's time for you to step out of it? All right. It was really easy. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, when I was about 17 going on 18, me and Polo's daughter, Ashley had actually started a relationship and we, we never grew up together, but we would see each other, you know, throughout the years, like maybe five times in a 10 year period. So, As she got older and matured, he would bring her over to his mother's house, who was right on 19th and Scott. And, like, we would say hi and, you know, hang out a little bit. You know, not too much. It was completely innocent. More like a big brother and little sister kind of thing. But there was a point where her mother had kicked her out of her house. And she was staying with him. But the cops were constantly coming looking for her over and over. So one day he calls me and asks me, he's like, hey, do you think she can go by your mom's house for the day? He's like, you're not in school. And I was like, no, that's fine. I was like, it's all good. So she would call a cab and we would just hang out, you know, just like regular, you know, friends. And then it got to a point one day where she basically put the moves on me and, we, you know, got down, I guess. And little to little did I know she got pregnant. So like we couldn't oh. really see or talk to each other much because of her mom and her running away and stuff. So like about a week or so after that happened, she called me. And she said she missed her period and her mom found out because she didn't ask her mom for tampons or something. So they went and got a pregnancy test and she was pregnant. And so her mom made her call Polo and tell her everything and who got her pregnant, which was me. So from there, it was war between me and that guy. Oh, between you and Polo? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, because that was his daughter. That's his daughter. So basically, uh, his stepson and his daughter had a kid. Even though there is no marriage or no blood ties, nothing like that, in his eyes, this is what he sees. So from there, he tried to X me out, and that wasn't working because I was feeding all the younger guys. Everybody who was around me, you know, they were benefiting from my connections. So they all still stood with me. A few of the older guys stood with him, but like I'm sure with one nine, like the older ones really don't got as much of a say because they're either in and out of jail all the time. And the young ones are the ones putting in the work. So they're like, what have you done? You know, it's not what you did in the past. It's what are you doing now? They don't fear you anymore. You know? So it comes to a point where like, oh, this dude, he ain't been nothing but a bully to us. Every time he shows up is to beat us up. Well, Chewy's throwing me a pound or two every other day and I'm eating and paying my rent because of him. So there was almost like a, a line in the sand drawn where half were with me and half were with him. And it got to a point where he was sending people to try to kill me. Stuff tattooed all over me. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, I am not going to back down to anybody, especially not the one that raised me, the one that taught me how to fight. You know, I would try to talk to him, but he wasn't hearing it. It was like the ultimate form of disrespect to him. I remember we had one phone conversation and he's just yelling at me the whole time. He was like, you fucking disrespectful punk. You fucked my daughter. I was like, dude, you fucked my mom. What are you talking about? <laughs> so it got yeah, to a point yeah, where yeah. And he was like, oh, you fucking prick. That's disrespectful. Well, I was like, well, look at it, you know? And then from there, um, after, because her mother, we were both young. So her mother at the time made her get an abortion. Well, that didn't stop us. We still saw each other and about, a year and a half into the relationship, she got pregnant again and with our daughter, Lily. So from there, like, as he's seen it now, he's like, oh, she's actually keeping this one. He pulled up on me one time right outside of ABC on 22nd and Scott. And he pulled up in his black Benz. I'll never forget it. And I'm coming out the store. I have a 45 Kimber on my hip and he pulls up and he was like, hey, he puts his hands up. He's like, truth, dog. He's just don't want to talk to you for a second. And I was like, all right, man, what is it? He's like, only thing I ask is if you have a boy, could you name it Polo? And I like, kind of smirked at him. And I looked at him. I was like, yeah, all right, man. I already knew I was having a daughter. So I was like, yeah, all right, man. I got you. And he's like, man, it's squashed. It's dead. He's like, we're family. But I would still hear shit. You know, like, he's like, oh, fuck Chewy this. And he was still yeah. bitter, you know. And it got to yeah. a point after that where me and him, we literally had a fight in front of all the guys in one of the backyard alleys in the neighborhood. And it was literally like a fight to the death with me and him. So we had our moment in front of all the older ones, the younger ones. I'd say there was about 20, 30 people in a circle and me and him got it in and I came out on top and he basically X'd himself out from the two ones. He gave all his jerseys away. He said, fuck everybody, anybody that sides with him, I'd rather not be a part of this shit, so fuck you, I'm out. And I think he moved to, like, Cudahy or something for some years. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that's crazy, bro. I didn't, I didn't know, that's definitely a history lesson for me. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, bro. You, you so got, you got the guy that started the gang. Oh, yeah. Who did out of his own gang. The one that taught me how to fight, that taught me everything I know about the streets, you know, and to, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I never knew that, bro. I never knew that. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think I think it's safe to say that uh, on the Normalized Crime Podcast, every story 
is uh <laughs> is pretty vivid right yeah. I mean, we went down a lot of we went down a lot of tracks there but yeah brother that, that's that's definitely cool man it's crazy to see how full circle that shit came mm-hmm. um let, i'm gonna ask you one more this is just a this is just a, a kind of a retrospect i think about like how like I, we were talking early like the inception of 2-1 and how that started and and uh you know i guess i kind of want to ask you like what's what was the uh at, when you were coming up who was the uh the the people you were told about right like the nostalgia surrounding your your organization you know like because i know like with me like even earlier like when we were talking you were talking about uh our indictment yeah you're right like our indictment was larger than the 98 indictment but thinking back bro them dudes did have they had some killers on their indictment oh no for sure but i'm just saying more what brought it down like the drugs because they were they were moving heavy and i remember because my dad was a part of that so that's right. why I had like a little more insight. But with you guys, I just constantly remember, man, right. body after body. There was like a bloody two summers where I was like, holy yeah, yeah. shit. No, yeah, no, I was just saying that because that was kind of it was crazy. This I'm 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 give you a full circle. Is like we looked up to them, you know, because yeah. you gotta remember, it was like history repeated itself for us. You gotta remember. So my older cousin, Alex, was was a part of he was Cago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He was, and he was an L, he was an LK, right? So back then that's like huge. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he, he had four bodies and then, and then Toot, you know, Toot's older brother, Quee, Quee was a part of that shit. Quee had yeah, two yeah, bodies. Yeah, and Quee, Quee. I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like for me, the people yeah. I really know that stood out, like I remember Polo always like him, Poncho, Bronco. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's what Jeans. I was talking about. These yeah, guys, so like how what? Yeah, like how was that? What, how'd you look at that? Was it like cool? Like you see, I was like, fucking, damn. I was enamored by it, bro. Like I would just see, like, like all this stuff you would see on TV. You go from seeing them, like, no, nah, this shit can't be real. And if anything, that stuff is toned down to the life I to what I've seen in real life. That was what caught me because I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm looking and I'm like, I got all these the same kind of guys in my living room as I'm doing homework getting tattooed in my kitchen to one on their stomach, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, what the fuck is going on, man? And so I seen like firsthand these young men grow into, you know, grown up gangsters, family men themselves. They all took care of, you know, their own kids and their own, you know, 14 years old with a baby mama, with a mom, with bills. And they're out there selling dope just to provide for their family. So it wasn't so much as like the big dogs, but just everybody around me. They all had their own position that right, they played. Right. So, so you you respected it. You, you yeah. You appreciated that. Um, what was the what was the structure like? You know, what was the structure like between? Uh, it, it was it was it was it was it done like a a universal leader like a vote? Was it how, how did that work? Well, it's just point blank period. Polo was boss. He was the HNIC, you know, head nigga in charge, and then Pancho was his right-hand man, which, so to me, I always looked at them two as the co-leaders, co-captains, whatever you want to call it. Like, it was those two, and then there were the other, you know, the first generation, second generation. But, like, for us, once, like, I would say, like, the shorties, which you you guys would call futures, like the shorty folks, once they would get to about 16, 17, because, like, a lot of our guys started pretty young, like 12, 13. Some, I knew this one kid that's been around since he was seven. 
I literally seen them grow up as I'm growing up. You know, we're all getting families and but the way the structure was Polo number one, Poncho right right beside him. Like I would never put Poncho underneath or behind him because he's that he's still, you know, he's he's still around, but he's not active. He's doing a whole team havoc, good for the community kind of thing, anti-gun, anti-drug thing right now. So, you know, good. good. I didn't know that. Shout out to him. Damn, for sure. Shout out to him, though. I didn't know that. That's that's extremely positive. Yeah, he's really, he's really, um, you know, I would say trying to make up for the sins, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, bro. I mean, you know, that's, and, and, it's it's funny that you even say that, dog. It's like it's like a alley-oop, right? Because it, that's my point of talking about this. That's my point of like talking about your your what enamored you, what drew you to it, and then what I, and talk about me, what I drew to it, and and the reason why is because I want the audience to be able to show this so that this is what kids are going to be drawn to. You know, this is yeah. this is why they're drawn to it. This is how they're drawn to it. It's, you know, what I mean, like there's different ways that you're pulled in. You mm-hmm. know. And it's, you know, it's the movies, the the lifestyle, the money, everything you've seen, you know, from, like I said, Scarface, paid in full, all this stuff. And when you walk out of your house, you're literally seeing the live version of that. You know, you right. could just sit on your porch and see a whole episode of, you know, fucking New York Undercover, but you're right here on the south side of Milwaukee. You know, you're watching all these guys sell drugs, pimps and prostitutes, yeah. you know, addicts. Everything right. you can think of is right there. And, and that doesn't, and you know, what's funny, bro, is, is that's, that's like, I'm sure Eric probably couldn't even really visualize that. You know what I'm saying? Like people can't really, you know, we can relate to it. Yeah. We can understand it. But a lot of people, man, uh, you know, like shout out to our, to, to our platform, because I've looked at our, our stuff and we got listeners all over, man, you know, all over the place. There's probably, they probably can't imagine. Some of them probably can't imagine. That that just how that would feel walking mm. out into a war zone, basically, you know, exactly, like chaos, bro. chaos every day. You know, there's never there's never a moment, bro, where you're not thinking about what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like keeping you, your head on a swivel and at exactly. the same time still being a kid because we would still play basketball. Yeah, there'd be six of us and three of us would have guns. But, you know, they're still having super soaker wars ding dong yeah. ditch you know but all this very real stuff is going on whether it be so, their brothers and sisters their moms you know drug addiction see that's the thing with our neighborhood was the main thing was drugs and drug money because it was such a big thing seeing it all up close and personal like my best friend's parents his mom and dad were both crack users addicts and alcoholics so i would see it i would smell it i would literally see the happiness turn into a fight turn into the cops getting called and you know it got it gets to a point where it's so normal to us but anybody else from like the outside looking in let's say coming from west dallas they want to run from it and like i never realized that how different we were living until like let's say i would get a girlfriend and her family is from West Dallas somewhere and they're all having a family dinner and everybody talking about their day. I was so used to, you know, me and my friends ordering a pizza, getting drunk or someone even robbing the pizza man, you know, stupid stuff like that, that it was just so normal to us that everybody else would look at us like freaks. Yeah. You 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 know, what's funny is, is you being, seeing all that, I was wondering like, did two one have a, a drug rule? Like you guys couldn't use certain drugs? 
Ah, not really. These guys would do whatever they wanted. As long as the, the crack thing. That was like, you know, because they were drinkers. A lot of my friends, a lot of the two ones are natives. So along with that comes they drink and they're bar fighters. And, you know, so cocaine was really, it got to a point to where if you hand, as long as you can handle your shit, like don't start smoking it, you know. If you could sell it and do it, you know, more power so to that, you. So, so but, that was gray area. There yeah, was gray yeah, area. <laughs> for sure. Like, because yeah. even, even if they would say, like, no, nah, we don't do that, they would do it, you know? <laughs> and, like, me, I've to this day, I've never never done cocaine, never did heroin, never did meth, never touched it. I sold it, but I never used it ever, ever, ever to this day. And so yeah. – I always seen what it, I seen the effects of it. You know, that's what scared me straight when it came to the drugs. I'd rather sell them than use them, you know? Yeah, bro. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I just think about how, how similar and how different, yeah. you know, like each of these, each of these, these gangs are. And I wish, you know what, bro? Like, I wish I could have, um, more people on that were, you know, I would like to talk to like a Cobra. I would like to talk to LF, like somebody who's who's building their life, you know, X, you know, and yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Because it's it's crazy that it's probably similar. It's probably the same thing, bro. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 all the same situation, just a different area that you're that you're covering. And, and that's uh, what I, I try to like even tell my son to this day, like, you know, like go to school, cherish the friends you have, be normal, have fun, man. Cause once you be, get older. You're going to wish, when we're kids, we wish we're adults, right? And then when we're adults, yeah. like, damn, I wish I was a kid. <laughs> you know, like, I hate that's, it. You 100, know? 100, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and it's, just, it's just, it's a waste, bro. It's just a waste, man. Like, you you lose so much of, of, of yourself. You know, it's not it's not even your life, bro. It's like you lose you lose yourself. You know, you're exactly. not the same guy that you will really be, dog, because you have to wear this this armor, dog. You know, that lifestyle you have it's like you have to you have to suit up for war you know so you have to wear this armor you have to be a different kind of person you have to hate people that you probably shouldn't you know and, it's kids uh, trying to be men you know yeah and that's and, the and, thing with it you don't know until you you know like i was always the one they say a smart man learns from his mistakes a wise man learns from others mistakes you know and i always right, tried to be the wise guy you know i always try to i was the quiet one i would observe everything in a room and figure out why someone is doing what they're doing. You know, I was always a real perspective kind of kid. So this kind of lifestyle, it that's that just little things they help me excel in the gang life because when everybody's going left, well, I'm gonna go right. You know what I mean? Right, like well, I never well, moved yeah, with the well, crowd. Right. It saved you it definitely saved you from from uh my outcome. Yeah, you know for sure. Being because uh you know my my obviously like misguided is is an understatement right when you talk about this kind of lifestyle you you think that you're emulating people around you but you're really not you know like i can count on one hand the 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 guys that were really in the street you know yeah. and it's like you're trying to live up to this this reputation that doesn't exist and trying to make and, them uh, proud you know like why and, and, <laughs> yeah and it's like uh the 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 stripes you're chasing are are different you know yeah. like that was that was a thing that was really big 
like with me and my 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 guys is the stripes that we chased, you know, and and it's that's why I like I like to 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 share the differences, right? Like your your guys's main motivation and a lot of what you did was money, you know, and and ours was extremely different. Ours, well, my tight knit group of guys, it ours wasn't money, you know, and that was probably one of our biggest downfalls. But ours was more. It was fellowship. It was the brotherhood. It was about everything that encompassed us. And that made us want to chase and eliminate everything that was in our way. You know what I mean? And it's just crazy how there's two entirely different lifestyles, but they're crammed against each other. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like Same coins, just different we, sides, you know? <laughs> exact, exactly. And, and, and we're fighting the same damn struggle. You know what I'm saying? And, For sure. Uh, I, I think I think to be where we're at right now, bro, is a blessing, you know, and uh, everybody knows that it's to my show, man. I believe in God 100 percent. Oh, praise God, man. I've been and, shot. I've been stabbed. I've been snitched on and I'm still here. So, you know. Yeah. And so and so I want to get into that, bro. I want to uh, let's talk about where you're at now. You know what you're doing business wise, maybe a little bit how you got there. Um, just run that down and, and, and kind of talk about how you've moved past. Uh, well, so for me, I um, I moved to Las Cruces, New Mexico on a fluke. I was actually only supposed to be here for a uh, 4th of July weekend kind of thing. And uh, when I came to visit my mother, my brother Gordy had just gotten out of prison. So like just years, you know, 10 plus years of not seeing him, we started catching up and I stayed a couple days longer than expected. And then and a couple of days turned into a couple of weeks. And then my mom just the whole time was just tricking me into staying because she knew, you know, like I said, I've been shot. I've been arrested. I've been I don't know how many dozens of times. And she was just there's no future back home. She's like, why are you going there? It's like the weather's terrible. The people are even uglier. Like, why? And so me just thinking about it, like, you know what? You're right. I don't have to look over my shoulder over here. I don't have to carry a gun when I'm going to get the mail, you know? So I knew if I would have stayed in Milwaukee, I would have either have killed or been killed just because the way the climate was at the time. And it's not even necessarily for enemies. It was for people that I was pretty cool with, you know, at one time. And it just, it got to a point where I was just sick of it. I needed to start over. And so one thing about me, I've always been a dog person. I've always been into animals, you know, Rottweilers, pit bulls, German Shepherd, all of the breeds that nobody, that everybody's terrified of were right up my alley. They're like, like us, misunderstood, you know? <laughs> so yeah. with that, I actually started, my uncle owns a fencing company here in town and he was teaching us how to build dog kennels. And with that, I was able to go be a groomer with Petco and I was able to train, I was training dogs all throughout the years, but this all culminated together when I actually started going to like school and actually learning everything for it. And now at this point, I took it upon myself, have my own business, dog grooming, training, even boarding. Now we're at that point to where we're starting to do that. But it's just one of those things where, you know, at some point, we all need a little training. We all need, not everybody comes from the best place, like humans and dogs, you know? It's, we we all deserve a second shot. Yeah. You found so, your niche. You yeah, found exactly. Your niche. So how did you turn that into a business? Well, I started seeing that, like I said, through my uncle, I started seeing the opportunity. He built fences, and a lot of these reasons why is because these people have dogs. Well, a lot of these dogs still escape, 
And I was like, well, why don't they just build a fence within a fence for him? And he's like, well, there's not many people in town. You know, it's a smaller town. It's a college town. He's like, not many people know how or want to, you know? So I was like, well, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> I knew how to weld. I already learned from him how to put the fencing together. So I was just a matter of me like, well, ask your friend. And then he would go ask his friend. They're like, oh, yeah, for sure. And I would ask him, you know, based on the price of the materials, what should I charge him? And he would he was giving me all the game I needed. He's been doing this for 30 plus years. So all of, all of his friends, his basically his Rolodex of customers, he was sending them my way. Whenever he would go to a new job and they had a dog, he would call me. He was like, hey, I told them about the fence and I gave him the price. And, you know, sometimes it might be out of their budget. So they'll downsize. Well, what about a kennel? And as a, a opposed to a $10,000 gate and fence all around your yard, you know, a $750 kennel sounds doable. So from there, I cranked one out. Dude seemed to love it. And we just kept going and word of mouth. Everybody, you know, one guy tells another guy, tells another guy, and it just got the ball rolling. And then from there, at the same time, I was working at Petco as a groomer. And I learned a lot from there. And it's like, for me, my whole life was about getting in all these situations and learning something and taking something from it. You know, like right. even with Polo, I learned like about honor and loyalty. I took that from him, from Pancho, like the brotherhood and to be honest with yourself and your friends. I took that from him, like all their best qualities of people I grew up with that. So, you know, sort of say raised me. I took what I liked from them and I molded into myself, you know, and it can be done, man. You, you can literally take a child who knows nothing and either make them a warrior or a teacher, you know, because nobody's born with this hate and rage in them. This stuff is taught. And that's what a lot of yeah. people don't understand. Like this, we're not born evil. Those, you know, like you, like you said before on other podcasts, yeah, there's those certain Jeffrey Dahmer types, but at the same time, I'm sure if he had the right kind of, you know, guidance or therapy, it, it could have been changed. You know, it just Bruh, it's a matter yeah, of and, and, and listen, bro, the, the key word, the key word in our life, dog, like if anybody, if anybody has really been from the hood hood like we have, the key word is survival. Yes, sir. And, and, and that's what it's about, man. It's about survival. Everything that encompasses that word, that's what our life was, you know, survival just to make it. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean everything is shootouts. That could be anything, man. Survival yeah. to eat, survival to survival to make it, survival to get clothes. Like that was the life, you know, yeah. like that's that's what we knew. So them situations that come along with that kind of mentality, you can't you can't avoid those. Yeah. You know, because when you're talking about taking somebody else's survival, that's where the issues come in, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I think it's, it's, it's relevant, man. I think anybody can feel that. Everybody can feel that. Everybody knows that, damn, man, when I got to do what I got to do to survive, I'm not going to let nobody get in my way. And that's exactly. the mentality you have to have. You know, that's the mentality. That's, that's the only way you're going to make it, man. You know, it, you got to give them kind of people a lot of credit. You know, you got so many single mothers that fight, you know what I mean? You got, you got a bunch of, a bunch of dads that, don't get to see their kids. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it go, it goes both ways. Yeah. You like know? we spent so much of our lives surviving. Now I want to live, you know, I want to mm -hmm. experience yeah. vacations. Yeah. I want to, yeah. you know, have a family, you know, be able right. to raise right. my kids. I was a right. father at 14. 
So, you know, my childhood was over by 11. I say, you know, like it just got became one of those things where you're just living day to day, hoping you survive it. Nobody's expected to see 21. Then you made it to 21. Then you're like, damn, maybe I can make it to 25. Then you made it to 25. Now it's like, okay, I'm getting this whole adulting thing now, you know? Right. And Let me ask you this. How how was uh how was your how was your relationship with Gordy now? Oh man, he's my that's my little my right hand man, man. Like we don't he he's still in prison right now as we speak. But the thing with him is uh he's came a long way. He actually he got out and then went back, then got out and went back again for this last stretch. But uh he's doing really good, man. Like he's actually he's he's a father, you know, and he's just right now he's meant he's basically mentoring himself trying to get everything seeing where he fucked up and trying to make it right this time because where his problem was was the parole and probation violations you know just going and running and getting into it and still running the streets just because he comes from that it's so ingrained in him and to go straight from prison back to the outs it's 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 you know it's a transition so Like now he's doing really well though. Like he he's taught himself so much. Like he he's a man. And now I just I can't wait till he's out and he can actually live. You know. You know what's crazy is uh, I haven't heard that saying in such a long time, man. And that's that's how I, that's that's an old man. That's a prison saying that a lot of people couldn't can appreciate if they've been in that situation. The outs. Yeah. That's what we used to call it. Like, yo, yeah. he was on, I've been on the outs. Like, that's how you know you're in. Like, you've always exactly. been in. Like, like you know, you're like, damn, dog, when dude gets on the outs. Like, that's that's exact. That's a saying that people, that's so old. That's old school. Like, that's yeah, a throwback sure, saying. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And and you just caught me off guard by saying that. But mm-hmm. no, that's good, man. I think, um, man, I think that's something that people can also appreciate now. Like, come, you know, coming full circle with, with your situation that at least you guys can talk you can you can get back to being brothers and i just you know like, honestly i want to tell you one thing bro i'm so fucking proud of you for like the leaps and bounds you made like you i could tell you really educated yourself while you were in there you took advantage of it and like you guys are entertaining as shit i've literally <laughs> listened to every one of your podcasts not trying to ride your wood or nothing but for real man no, like, i appreciate it you, no you, i appreciate it some bounds Who no, thought, i definitely you know? appreciate it i appreciate it bro 100 percent. i appreciate it and uh no, I mean, listen, it goes both ways, bro. Like, this is where growth is at. I mean, this is the prime example. We got two men right here showing that that shit is a, is a facade. Yeah, you know, the lifestyle sure. is a facade, man. We're bigger than that. You know, everybody, well, what was the saying, right? I was a king before I was anything, right? Yeah. Now, how was that even, how was that even possible? Like, I'm a man before I'm anything. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're a man and we outrule that, right? So that, that shit has no hold on us. Um, Listen, I think this has been great, bro. Eric, you got questions for him? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I think I asked my you questions. Good? So, yeah. You Actually, no, I will ask one question. Yeah, because you've been quiet. So, you know, you, we, already got, we already got complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you one question, and this goes back to somebody we had interviewed in a previous episode. And this person had been around all the gang members, but had never really been in a gang. And uh, Berto, if you re- know who I'm talking about, you can chime in who it is because I can't remember their name. Uh, Paulino but, was it Paulino? Paulino, yes. So yeah. Paulino, he had been a, he he had been really into like drug dealing 
So he had dealt with all the gangs, but he never really <clears throat> into one any one gang. Yeah. And he always had the perception that for the Latin kings in Milwaukee, they were really about like getting down, fighting violence type stuff. Whereas he felt like all the other gangs were more about just, they were just good with hanging out, having fun. If something happened that they had to jump to action, they would, but they weren't really looking for that. Would you agree with that statement? Or do you think that? I say for, for Milwaukee, that, that is true for the North side. I would say more the majority because they could be GDs, vice lords, and they'll still do business. They could be cousins and in rival gangs and still, you know, have a sense of, you know, you just, you stay where you're at. We're going to get money over here. We're stay where I, we won't bother you. But for my gang, like 21st Street specifically, we would give it to anybody. If you came through, because like I said, our neighborhood was so tight knit that you knew every single car that was going through. And this is through a decade plus of seeing everybody growing up with everybody. We were so well insulated that we knew when somebody like, oh, look at that car. Look at the way that car is driving by. Look, they got their windows half down. You like the thing that average person wouldn't notice, we noticed. So for us, as long as you didn't bother us in our neighborhood, we, you know, whatever. We're we are we're self-sufficient we're good we don't need anybody but if you brought it to us man there's hell to pay because there's so many ways yeah you know what's crazy though is i will say that though like i've never i've never not like when i've driven through two one hood i've never not like been on my p's and q's you know what i'm saying i've never been like like just i've never just been like just go ahead and drive over here like i've always been like hey yo like all right like don't turn right there like watch out you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's a true statement. And it's always been like that. You know, even, even when I was a kid, like I remember being yeah, a kid. And that, that and goes I from was, just I was growing up gang, there. You know, you, like you kid. literally, you but, can't leave. Yeah. But my family wouldn't like want me in them parks over there. No, you know no, for saying? sure. But you know, what's funny though, um, is I had a friend, bro, and he ended up being a two, one dog, uh, macho. That yeah, was my yeah. homie. From, that was my homie from elementary school, you know? And then, and then also fi- uh, flip. He ended up being a king. Yeah, Philip. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, little Philip. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I knew these Angel dudes, too. Yeah. Angel. Yeah, yeah. And I knew these dudes when I was kids, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and they end up being 2 1. You know what I'm saying? And I had when I used to like be not told not to go over there and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, we'll of, see. Because with Macho, his whole family were 2 1s. His, you know, Edgar, yeah. Ephraim, Freeze, yeah. Tito, yeah. you know, all of them. They were all, they're, you know, he. He's basically yeah, like yeah, he in yeah. a sense, like he was gonna be part yeah. of this. I already knew it when we were kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. And like, but that's the thing, like, man, so many people, like, I know Revy. I was locked up in county with Revy. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. even speaking on that quick story, like with with two, like how me and him actually ended up squashing all of that. I was um, I happened to be at my mom's house when the ATF and FBI raided my mom's house for the indictment when you guys were all got indicted. Uh, Benny, Los, and Gordy were there. So what happened was I ended up arguing with my baby mama, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay by my mom for the night. I picked the wrong night to go there, buddy, because 5.30 in the morning, kicked the door in, dragged me out (laughs) thinking I'm Gordy, and they fucking Benny and Los are trying to run up and down the stairs and hide the shit they had, and they finally get us all out, you know, send us all to county, 
And I'm in there. I get up in there around lunchtime, and I'm um, I'm getting my tray. And there's this blonde dude. He has a he has a brother tail. And he was like, "Hey, I know you." And I was like, "Nah, my nigga, you don't know me." And he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "My name's Capone." He's like, "I'm a king." I was like, "Okay." And I just he handed me my tray, and he's like, "You shot my boy too, too." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "Hold on." So I went to go put my tray down. He's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "I'll come talk to you," because I thought we were gonna, you know, gonna have at it right there. And then he comes sits by me and hands me like almost as a peace offering. He hands me his extra tray because he's a food server, you know. So he's like, "Look," he's like, "I just was saying." He's like, "No, I know you. I know your brother." Gordy, and uh, I just wanted to say, yeah, you, you shot my boy Tutu, right? He, my king brother. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, man, that shit's crazy. He's like, I heard a little bit about it. And as soon as he said that, the doors crack open. Who comes in? Tutu. And I thought it was really on after that. I'm like, oh, here we go. And then as soon as he see me, complete opposite. He's like, hey, man, what you doing in here? Where's your brother? I was like, bro, he's in the next pod. He's like, oh, fuck. And he starts asking me, you know, what happened? What they, what do I think they got? And he's like, man, he's like, some of them brothers need to help with them charges because they're gonna, they're gonna hit him with all of them. I was like, yeah, I already know. And then from there, we were the two Southsiders with a bunch of Northsiders in this pod, and like we actually stuck together, you know. Mm-hmm. And from yeah. then, he got he uh when he got pulled over, I believe he was like in like a McDonald's parking lot or something. And the cops seen them. Like, you know, they put like APBs out for, you know, trying to round everybody up and whatever he had, I think he ditched it. So when they caught him, he got a he got a bail. And when he got released, he actually put 50 bucks on my books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, that's the thing, too, bro, is like. There's so many I talk about this over and over again, you know, but I, I just talk about like how. In the gang life, bro, there's there's gray area. There's always gray area. You know what I'm saying? And and I remember that situation, dog. I remember I remember there was pressure around that situation. But ulti- and I'm talking about when two got shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember I remember the like the the decision making process around it, right? Like it was it wasn't something that was just like overlooked. But nah. at the end of the yeah, right. But at the end of the day, everybody knew like that shit wasn't that shit wasn't. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't yeah, like it, it should have never out. happened, man. It should have never happened. My right. mother's house. It's just the right, whole thing. Right, right. And so and so I think I think you're right, bro. Like that goes that goes to show like the human element of it. Yeah. You know? Like Toot never looked at you like you were one of the guys that were gonna kill him. And he exactly. probably he probably felt the other way, you know, vice versa too. You should look at it the same way, you know? And um a lot of that had to do with just where we came from, bro. Like yeah. we knew each other. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't like times, man. Yeah, no, it, it's we, ridiculous. We knew each, yeah, we knew each other. It wasn't like, like we would we see each other, and I would just like nod my head, like, all right, you know, yeah, yeah. like and, it just acknowledges so, you. You know what I mean? Like, all right, nigga, I see you, you see me. You know, like yeah, you just so, keep it moving. Yeah, and so that's that's the crazy part, though. Is like is like when you go from you know just being normal. Right. And to you take it to another level, you know, like that element of it is brought in by what? By this phony facade of a of an organization that you have to represent. Yeah. That's what that's what changes it. That right there. Like us just being normal, it turns into that. 
Because... I remember us, man, like Gordy bringing Benny and Los up to my room and us just sitting, smoking blunts, listening to Three Six Mafia, you know, talking about who's the best one, like real kid yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. aside yeah. from how fast we had to grow up and all the crazy things we were doing in the streets, we were still yeah. kids, bro. We were, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we grew up faster. Yeah, we did a lot of adult shit. But at the end of it, you know, we all liked wrestling. We all liked playing video games. You know, we all still had our soft side to us. But it, with time, it just became hardened more. And, you know, just yeah. through the street elements, just, you know, yeah, seeing you, what we saw, we had to yeah, grow up like, fast. You know, it's funny, bro. It's like you lose, um, you know, you. It, it, it's like you have a really short memory. You yeah. Know? When, when, when you get involved, you know, everything that you kind of used to care about is secondary, bro, you know, for and, sure. And all the things that you should care about, you know, it's like, you're blinded. Yeah. I was like, you're blinded, you know, the propaganda of what you're supposed to be professing dog, all this, the loyalty and honor and respect, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not what it should be, yeah. you know, and you waste your time, you waste your energy and, and, um, and you build resentment and you start to, to hate people. You shouldn't, Mm-hmm. You know, and you start to love people you shouldn't too. You know, yeah. so I remember being in school, and that was just like like the Marines in the Army. You know, I took that as like a recruiting recruitment place. You know, like hey, let me see what you're about. You know, and it, it got weird. Like, like our, another little story. I was in Hamilton High School, and it was like my first week of school. Me and Dante, we happened to be in the same. Me and Black Cat, we happened to be in the same um, lunch period. And he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, I know you're Gordy's brother." I was like, "Yeah, what's up?" And he's like, hey, because uh, I had a Houston Astros hat on and it had, you know, the five point star cracked or whatever. He's like, hey, these vice lords, I heard them talking. They're going to jump you after school. I was like, oh, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm just letting you know. I was like, man, good looking. I shook his hand. About 10 minutes later, they're jumping him because somebody walked by and heard him oh. giving me, a, you know, a heads up. And they started trying to jump him. So I, me and my guys go running over there and go help him. So, you know what I mean? Things like that. It's. You know, we're we're still we're like I said, we're all cut from a same, a very similar cloth. It's just a different color. Yours happens to be gold. Mine happens to be blue. You know, and Damn, I just had a I just had an episode called that, didn't I? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I just had an episode called that, cut from a similar cloth. <laughs> but but no, nah, man, that is that's true, bro. That's true. You you we run in the same circles, bro. Until 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 we're forced not to. Yeah. You know, like and, I would and, never want to see you crying because your brother got killed and you wouldn't want to see Gordy crying. Like if I got killed, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're, that's yeah. your boy still, no yeah. matter what, yeah. you know? No, and that's, that's, that's why my mind was just blown, you know, by the, by the story in itself, you know, just the idea, the concept of being behind a gun facing your brother, you know what I'm saying? And, and I, that to me, like, I hate yeah. that about yeah. me that yeah. that even happened, bro. But I mean, yeah, it happened for a reason, I guess, you know, no, we're all still a, here. And, thank God, you know? Yeah, that's that's the blessing right there. But that's that's the impact that the wow factor that needs to be sent out there. Mm-hmm. Like that shit really happens. That Fuck shit yeah. really happened, you know. And um, people made it through. It's a blessing. That's the blessing from God. We are where we're at. You know. Listen, I think this has been great, bro. I think this has been productive. I think it's 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 shown everything we wanted to. And um, I, I I I appreciate you coming on. I uh, oh, definitely, brother. I shit. I just love being a part of something positive like this, man. Like we saw so much of the ugly in our life. It's good to actually see what we became. You know what I mean? What that 
two street punks can become, you know, we actually <laughs> yeah. put some motivation yeah. and put that battery in our back where we can actually yeah. do some damage, but in a right way. Yeah. hundred percent though. hundred percent. Shout out Listen, to you too, Eric. You're, you're, you're pretty good at what you do, man. Thanks, man. That's <laughs> what I was there telling him. I was telling him earlier, Berto. I was like, around. I feel like I know you, over bro. There? Like, just no, listening to all your podcasts. I'm listening right. intently. Nah, this this good, man. This is great, bro. Uh, yeah, he was uh, I'm, I'm here. I it, it cut out for a second, but yeah. yeah, there we go, there we go, there we go. <clears throat> but nah, man. Listen for real though. I appreciate it, bro. Um, I definitely uh, I, I was intrigued with a lot of a lot of the different nuances that that uh, that you guys have and and just how you guys operate. I think this is educational, 100. Uh, I encourage anybody out there that is, you know, a former member of a different gang and they got a perspective they want to bring, you know, a message they want to bring. Definitely, definitely email us. I appreciate Oscar coming on the show, Eric. I think you know what time it is. You know what you got to do. Yeah, Wrap I know how to do up. this one. I think you got this. You take you take yeah. care of this one. All right, go ahead, bro. We thank everybody for tuning in. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast player. We do have a Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And as always, if you do have feedback, you can shoot us an email at normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.